All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? Everybody, DJ Nubis here with you on the Metal Time Radio Podcast, Hordes of Chaos, episode 74. Alright, so a lot to get to today. I've got like three movie reviews and a doc review for you. Uh, some really good movies out there, I mean, for the most part. Um, I'm going to get into those a little bit later. Uh, some new stuff for you. Also, uh, good rock block coming your way. And uh, much, much more. So we're going to get kicking with the first block here. Um, kicking off some brand new Primal Fear. Raise your fists. Here we go.
Carve Lines, and you're listening to the Heart of Chaos, only on Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, what's happening? DJ News is back with you. Getting into my first uh, movie review here for you. Uh, Shudder currently, obviously, is like a horror thriller app on my Roku. I guess some people might have it on their Roku TVs, whatever. Uh, it's been a pretty decent app. A lot of horror movies. Uh, they kind of got some other stuff going on in there that I don't think really belongs, but I guess they're just trying to mix it up a little bit. But that's uh, irrelevant to the actual review that I'm going to be talking about. Uh, new movie that came out on the app uh, probably a week ago was a movie called Empedagore. Uh, the director, Joko Anwar, who also directed the remake of Satan's Slaves. Now, side note, I, I did watch that movie as well as the original. Neither one of those impressed me all that much in terms of just scare factor or even interest, really. I kind of got bored fast with those two movies. They just didn't really stand out. Um, I think Anwar did a little better with his remake, but, of course, the original came out in 82, so I didn't really expect that much as it was. Um, however, with the review of Empedagor, um Roger Ebert, who I talked about in the last episode about some of his 35 worst films, this was not one of them. He actually had a lot of high marks for uh, Empedagor, uh, but some of his issues were the same with mine. I, I rated it about an 8 out of 10. Uh, and basically what it deals with is... You got a young woman named Maya, uh, played by Tara Basro, who's working a toll booth uh, on a highway. And it, it kicks off pretty fast because there's this guy that keeps, like, basically stalking her as he drives through and stares at her, and etc., etc. Then one night, she's talking with her best friend, who also works as a toll booth operator. And Maya notices that the guy goes through the, the booth, but then pulls over and comes after her. He apparently had been asking her if her name was such and such, and if she was from such and such village now. Maya, the background with her was uh, she was basically her parents had died, and she had basically been taken care of by her grandmother, I believe. But anyway, the guy gets out of the car, starts chasing her down with a machete, and before he can killer really is just uh, he's shot by the police now that kicks off the entire movie so she starts digging into her background uh some pictures and letters from her grandmother had stowed away and find out that she was indeed from this small village and there she might be uh able to inherit uh, a big house there like she her and her friend decide to go down there to this village and uh, see if she can make claim to the house. Uh, when they get there, obviously there's a lot of folklore and myth talk about the village being cursed. And, you know, there's a guy there that's basically what you would call uh, a puppet master, but he uses, like, shadow puppets. So he has them on a projector through a screen that he entertains to people with. It's a very old-school village and not up to date like the rest of the world um but yeah they have an issue where when their females get pregnant the babies are born without skin 
and so they are immediately killed by this puppet master and others uh, to basically put them out of their misery. Uh, but, you know, obviously the curse is uh, surrounded by Maya in some ways and her family, so it's a very interesting take. Um, I agree with Roger, though, that the ending uh, is a little less to be desired. I think they probably could have left it at a certain point without adding the extra at the end, and it would have been like a much better movie. Um, but certainly something to check out. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I gave it, like I said, an 8 out of 10. It's on Shudder. Might be able to rent it like on Amazon Prime or something, but I don't think it's on there. I think this is actually a Shudder exclusive anyway. So, Empedagore by Joko Anwar. So, check it out. Uh, in our next block, got some black metal coming your way. A couple new uh, new stuff from some bands, as well as some Imperium Decadence, uh, classic stuff from them. Kicking off the block, that was Gernel Shagen from Germany. As I stated on my Facebook page a few days back, uh, when I discovered they actually had a new record out, uh, I've been in these guys since they, you know, first came on the scene back in 2002, and this is like the late 90s, early 2000s when I was really like diving into all the black metal stuff, um, just kind of taking in different aspects of it, like Emperor, Denny Borgir, uh, Dark Throne, obviously, Mayhem. I was checking all these different bands out. And 2002, this band came along. It's a pagan black folk metal, uh, black metal band. Uh, their debut, Winter Myth, and caught my surprise because of the couple songs I heard. Gernot Shagan, the title track, or the first opening song with the band name, and then uh, Kriegshorn. Uh, both really sold me, and then I heard the record and I really liked it a lot. Uh, the following two records uh, from 2007 and 2011 were even more phenomenal in the aspect for that. Uh, it takes them a while to get these records out, but I think in a lot of ways, sometimes I prefer that as long as the motivation and focus is put into that and the, the, the product is quality. And these guys are very quality. The new record that came out this year, Ode and Natra, uh, Natra, I guess you pronounce it as, uh, is awesome too. I'm still letting it soak in a little bit. I'm not sure how it compares yet to Welton Brand or the 2007 release, but nevertheless, I really enjoyed a lot of tracks on the new record, so I got a feeling it's going to rank pretty highly for me. And we're going to kick it off. It's a song called Eisenwald, and here we go. Eisenwald!
This is Sky Nielsen Promotions. I offer the most affordable, effective, independent metal promotions one can find. If you've got a metal band, project, or art that you want promoted, simply search for Sky Nielsen Promotions. And you're listening to Hordes of Chaos on Metal Tavern Radio. She's in love with herself. Alright, DJ Nibis, back with the Meltar Ray podcast, The Hordes of Chaos. Alright, so uh, another film review. This one actually came up just the other night. I was always looking for stuff to talk about. I already had like a two or three things. This one caught me at the last minute a couple days ago, but uh, I've been a big... Donnie Yen fan as far as the martial arts are concerned so like if you're not familiar with his work uh, the best place to start is the Ip Man movies uh, I'm going to talk about Ip Man 4 here in a minute he also has an appearance as a character in Star Wars Rogue One if you didn't see him in that he's been in countless martial arts movies over the years uh, but really the pinnacle for me was when I first watched him portray Ip, Ip Man who is the teacher of legendary Bruce Lee, um, his, his, uh, sensei master. Um, so Donnie Yen's portraying Ip Man, and those first two movies are just phenomenal. Like, Yen's work and choreography is just amazing. It, it really hasn't gotten bad or anything. I, I've seen three, and recently it's four. Uh, the third one, Still a very good movie. Uh, I talked about at the time that it was released that they did a really good job with Mike Tyson in that because I was a little skeptical going in on how they were going to portray that because Tyson is not a martial arts fighter. Now, granted, anybody can learn the art itself. Um, I just didn't wasn't sure how it was going to come around because, you know, Tyson's really like a chunky big dude. Uh, most of the fighters you usually see are pretty slender and you know muscular and everything else uh, but the way they worked uh, Tyson's fighting skills in this was to use boxing uh, to kind of counter Donnie's uh, fighting technique so um, I just thought that was pretty amazing how they worked that in it came out pretty good uh, again I'm still a really big fan of the first two films overall I just like the stories and everything else that are a little bit stronger for me Ip Man 4 Again, very good. Um, this one actually features Ip Man, who is not only dealing with the after effects of his wife's death, but you know his son is growing up and becoming rebellious, having a hard time in school. Um, you know, Ip Man wants his son to basically not be a fighter; like he's trying to push him into being something more. Uh, even though Ip Man himself loves to fight, loves to teach fighting, uh, martial arts, I should say, not really fighting so much as he was more, he was a pacifist until he didn't, couldn't be a pacifist. And so, but his son wanted to learn martial arts. That was where his passion was, but it was kind of like this power struggle between the boy and Ip Man. So, at some point, uh, Bruce Lee, uh, at this point, who's already been taught by Ip Man, has moved on to America. He's got his own school there and everything, and he's doing a competition. So he invites Ip Man to come out, uh, you know, through one of his uh, students, 
and uh, so the student comes to uh, Hong Kong, gives it man the plane tickets, and it man decides he's going to go out to America, watch Bruce, and then decide whether or not he wants to send his son to America uh, in hopes of a better life than what is going on at home. So, Hitman, obviously, when he gets to America, sees Bruce, and they talk, and it's fine. You know, there was, like, a little bit of tension there. Um, you get to see a little bit of the guy that plays Bruce Lee, who I thought did a pretty good job of that. Uh, came out very well. And then, of course, obviously, it all turns back to Hitman and how he wants to maybe start a school in America, which would help him bring his kid over. But... Like most things, especially during this time period, he needs to be able to uh, get the okay from the local, I guess you would say, martial arts chapter. And it's, you know, uh, a few people who are martial artists led by one particular uh, master. Uh, in order to get the recommendation, he has to get the approval of this, this chapter. And uh, it doesn't go well at first. Uh, because they all know that he's the teacher of Bruce Lee and right now there's tensions between the chapter and Bruce Lee because Bruce Lee doesn't follow any rules. He's teaching uh, anyone and everyone, all sorts of races, genders. The chapter itself is very traditional. They don't want that. Uh, if you've ever seen Dragon the Bruce Lee story or any of the Bruce Lee history, you know that uh, Bruce himself had butted heads with the Chinese uh, people about teaching uh, martial arts to Americans. It was a big, big deal, uh, especially back then. So they're basically trying to blackmail it, man, into getting Bruce to play ball, or else they're not going to recommend him. So he chooses to let you know the right thing. He chooses to let Bruce be Bruce and says, "Look, you know, Bruce is his own man, his own path. This is what he's going to do." And so there's tension there already. Obviously, the, the lead guy in the chapter, he has a young daughter who is battling bullying at school. Uh, so when it man and her cross paths, that also leads to more tension with the father and such and such. Uh, this one, like most of them, um, like all the movies, they all deal with a little bit of a race issue, racism. Uh, on the first two movies, uh, obviously the Chinese battled Japanese racism, uh, a little bit of American racism in there. This one's pretty much solely all on American side. Uh, you can see why it's a problem for both Ip Man and the chapter itself, where Ip Man is more about kind of fighting back, like Bruce is, about pushing back on it, whereas the chapter is kind of like, well, we're going to just play ball and stay under the radar, but that doesn't always work because that creates a problem for the lead master's daughter who is facing bullying. Like, he tells her to suck it up, but it's obviously a problem. Um, one of the key things in this is Scott Adkins, uh, the actor who plays Barton Geddes, a U.S. Marine Corps gunnery sergeant. Uh, if you don't know Scott Atkins, he's been around forever. He's also a, a great martial artist, American guy. Uh, he is fucking amazing. Like, just in general, I think I double-check if he's American or not. He's English, excuse me. So, sorry about that. Uh, but he's amazing. Like, And he's been in a lot of good movies. And 
you know, it's funny because he generally plays a good guy, and this one he's not a very good guy at all. Uh, but he plays a dick role very well, and as a sergeant in the Marines, like, he was so spot on. Like, I just, I was so sold. Um, so it was a great, great acting performance by Scott in this. Donnie, of course, is always great in this as well. Uh, the fight choreography is very well done. Uh, just, it's a really good movie. I, like I said, I, I love all these movies in this series. Uh, the first two are kind of like the pinnacle for me, but three and four are equally just as good. Very close. Um, I think this will probably be the final one just because of how it ends. So we'll see if they, you know, mess around with it a little bit more or not. Maybe they'll go into more of the Bruce Lee stuff, you know, somehow. I don't know, but that would be kind of cool. But Donnie is very cool, a very humble guy. Uh, I spoke with him a couple times on Facebook in the past uh, when talking about his movies. So he's uh, very good at this. And if you haven't checked it out, uh, I believe Hitman 4 is... It's either on Prime or on Netflix. I can't remember. I think it's going to be on Prime, if I recall. Uh, yeah, I think it is Prime. All right. So let's get into back some more music here. Um, I was sent an email uh, from a band that I hadn't expected to get an email from. Not that I ever push those kinds of things away, because uh, I accept emails and stuff like that from all sorts of bands, but uh, this band had been around since 96, and I knew about them since as early as 2003. Um, they're an avant-garde experimental metal band uh, from Indonesia called Kakao, and uh, they sent me an email. They got a new record coming out. It's called Quantum Resolution. Um, I had a chance to listen to it. Very good. Uh, I got a track for it. I'm going to play to kick off this block. But uh, just, I was blown away that they had contacted me. Because, you know, we're, we're kind of like a small little podcast here. So the fact that they reached out to us, I was more than happy to uh, play their stuff. Uh, great band. Great guys. So we also got some Anubis in here from Vlad, uh, who sent me some stuff, and Thyrant as well. You might have heard them on last week's episode of uh, Metal Mania. But here's Cacao, brand new stuff from Quantum Resolution. This is called Spiritual Anarchism. <laughs>
some night league some new stuff from them dark sarah new stuff mean streak some classic lillian axe also got some pigweed if you didn't catch metal mania last week uh the krypton and scully did a great interview well cryptid anyway uh part of their show cryptid an interview with pigweed very cool guys uh definitely need to check out their music i'll talk a little bit more once we get into the end of this uh rock block Gonna kick it off though with some brand new stuff from Ember EMBR. It's where I've been. Here we go.
Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you
this is Jessica from Factory of Dreams. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright. From San Antonio, Texas, Pigweed. With uh, me, salvation, my salvation. I think it's my salvation. Uh, as I said earlier, before we started the rock block, uh, these guys were interviewed by Crypt from Metal Mania last week, and it was a really good interview. Uh, the guys are really cool and humble. Band uh, mixes up a little bit of metal, hard rock, a little bit of hardcore in there. Uh, some of the keynote influences are. <coughs> Corn, Deftones, Nonpoint, Il Nino, uh, bands like that in the new metal genre. Uh, very cool band. Uh, I was really glad to see they were influenced by Nonpoint. That's a band that often gets overlooked in the whole new metal crowd, but uh, they're pretty good. So yeah, check them out from San Antonio, San Antonio Texas. Fuck that all up. Uh, Pigweed, so good band. Um... Obviously, uh, because I like movies and whatnot, that's pretty obvious. But sometimes, um, it's not just a movie. Sometimes it's like the backstories to either how the movies are done or to certain actors or actresses. Like, uh, and one in particular, on uh, Amazon Prime, there's a doc out now called Inmate Number One, The Rise of Danny Trejo. And... For those that don't know who he is, uh, you probably should by now, but uh, he's a guy that's always played generally like the mainly the villain in a lot of different movies. Uh, I first saw him in the movie Desperado with Antonio Banderas back in 95, and uh, his character, like despite not having any lines, anything to say, is still like one of the most memorable characters in that film, which is amazing. Uh, and it's a testament to him as an actor. And then, of course, he's been in, like, From Dust Till Dawn as the bartender and stuff like that. And then, of course, when uh, the movies, the Grindhouse movies in 2007, I think, came out, or 8, uh, they had the fake trailers. And one of the fake trailers was, of course, Machete, that was starring Danny Trejo. Uh, that was mainly just to be like a, a gag as far as part of the movie was concerned, just like an intermission type thing uh, to give it that grindhouse feel. But yet there was so much positive feedback on it that they actually wanted a fucking movie <laughs> and thus making Danny Trejo the star of those Machete movies. Machete and Machete Kills, fantastic. Um, but what you don't really know about Danny Trejo is like his his actual life and the backstory to how he got where he was. Uh, the Rise of Danny Trejo is basically a walkthrough um, from his upbringings to stardom. And, you know, he's, he's he spent some time in jail. He spent time as an addicted to drugs and alcohol. And it was really rough for him growing up, especially when he didn't have a really great relationship with his father. He was closer to his mom. Um, and then at one point, even before he became the, the movie star, uh, when he was in jail for an incident, 
Like, he was already serving time, and then there was an incident with one of the guards where a rock was thrown next to the guard's head or whatever, and he was the one listed as the uh, guilty party, even though he says it wasn't him. Uh, but he was put in isolation, and there was serious uh, talks at the time in the system to, like, you know, put him to death. Uh, things were very much more, you know, tough for inmates back then as far as stuff like that, especially violence against uh, officers and uh, security guards and stuff like that. So he came very close to being put to death in prison. And so it, it, somehow, some way, he got out of it, which was great because, you know, if he wasn't guilty, there's no reason for that to happen. And then he wouldn't become the guy he is today. The funny thing about him now, when you look at him as a person, he's a very big humanitarian. Uh, he's done over, believe it or not, 365 films. Uh, <laughs> most of them probably more like supporting roles. But he, well, actually, he's done a lot more like sort of B-rated straight-to-video stuff, you know, whether it's like zombie stuff, monster stuff. Like, he's become like another horror icon in a lot of ways uh, that people will know him by. But, you know, he, he's still very much a very nice guy. Like, when you watch this, you, he's, you see a guy who looks kind of like hardened on the outside, but inside he's like a uh, really, really sweet guy, very nice, uh, has no problem taking pictures or signing autographs with people that recognize him. Um, he goes to speak to prison sometimes uh, to tell his story and to try to be uplifting and motivational for uh, inmates that are currently serving time. Uh, he also speaks at recovery meetings, um, which for him is like a holy mission of sorts. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, but if you watch this, you'll get an idea just how tough it was growing up and how you had to try to like navigate through the mess of not only where you live but the people he was around and just trying to break out of that mold and eventually when he got the chance to uh, play a part actually I think he was just visiting a friend or something on the set one day and that's how it happened the, the first movie he appeared on was a, a movie called Runaway Train with uh, Eric Roberts and who else is in this? I think John Voight, Rebecca Dormarnay. Uh So there's some there's some uh, recognizable names in there, but he's listed as just the boxer in this. Like it's just a guy that he's fighting Eric Roberts at one point. Um, I think I think it might have been Desperado. When he actually had a for a real name, like I think that was kind of the celebration between him and his family is when he played a character that actually had a name. Because I guess he played like maybe a thug here or there before that. I know, like he was in Death Wish Four, I think, as one of the guys in there. Um, so yeah, you know, it's just when he first got his break, it just kind of built on from there, and uh, he became like one of Robert Riga's, you know favorite guys to shoot in movies Desperado and then, uh, From Dust Till Dawn and of course Grindhouse and of course Machete Films as well so you know he has a long lasting uh, relationship with uh, Rodriguez doing that uh, the 
the the doc also has um, some familiar faces with uh, Michelle Rodriguez, who's in Machete with him. Uh, Donnie Logan, I think, is in it as well. I can't remember if I got his name right or not. He was in Vikings series for a while. And also the uh, Gotham TV show. So you, you see him around for sure. But uh, very good uh, documentary. Uh, very worth it. It's on Amazon Prime right now. I would definitely check it out. Alright, let's get back into some music. Uh, stuff from Imprecation. New stuff from Bonestorm. But we got some Morbid Angel here. Kicking off with Dominate. Hunting for our daily bread 
up, y'all? This is Roger from No Moss. And also, Ben from No Moss. Hey, Henry over here from No Moss. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Come get it. Get lit. Yeah, and John, too. <laughs> DJ Nubis back with you here. Bone Storm Dominion, new stuff from them on the last block there. Uh, getting to my final movie review. I had meant to do this with Neko while she was here, but we just got into other things and never really got around to it. But I've been holding on, watching it until she got back. But I don't know if I can go another three months, so I, I went ahead and checked it out. We can always come back to it another time if she wants to check it out, which she probably will, and I would recommend uh, that she does watch it because this is a movie called Extraction uh, on Netflix. It's a Netflix original movie starring Chris Hemsworth, and this is a different role for me watching Chris. Now, I've seen him in, like, the remake for uh, Red Dawn and some, you know, of course, the Ghostbusters, which was a joke, but uh, obviously his biggest role of course is Thor in the Marvel series so seeing this side of him uh, was pretty interested and it really shows you just how good of an actor he really is uh, this was a very moving movie um, basically Hemsworth plays um, a former um, Marine I believe or military guy who is now a mercenary for hire um, what happens is an incarcerated drug lord, uh, his son is kidnapped by a rival, uh, drug lord, kingpin or whatever, and basically is being held up for ransom. So, uh, Hemsworth's character is hired to go and retrieve him, uh, you know, without paying a ransom to them, of course. Now, what happens is there's a, a bodyguard that works for the drug lord uh, named Saju, and that's played by Randy Puda, who is fucking excellent in this as well. Uh, he has some other plans of his own. Obviously, he takes a lot of unnecessary uh, bullshit and heat from the, the drug lord, whose father is, of course, the, the kid's father, and, you know, he's just being threatened. Like, you get my son back or I'm killing your family type deals. So he's got his own agenda now to not only retrieve the boy, but, you know, try to, like, get past using Hemsworth and his group of people. So, but it turns into a convoluted mess after a while. Uh, another quick notables for acting, uh, Golshifta Feriani, I hope I pronounced that right, uh, the woman who plays uh, Nick Khan who's like the group leader for Hemsworth and their mercenary group. Uh, she's a badass, too. Um, you see most of that later on with her, but uh, she comes across at first like maybe just a mouthpiece, but she can back a lot of it up. Uh, another one is David Harbour from Hellboy and Stranger Things is in this. Uh, it's just a really good movie, a lot of action. Um, it took some... From the critics, there's a lot of positivity, but some say... Maybe a little too violent, but really, I, I think it kind of fits because you're, you're, you are dealing like with the drug cartel and shit like that. Like to me, this is a little more believable than say, 
Fast and the Furious 5 or 6 where they're fighting the drug cartel there and they're racing around the streets and whatnot. Like, that's a little more fun looking at it. This was a little bit more serious about it when you actually have cartels that actually own cities. <laughs> you know, they own the cops and everything else. So, uh, this is a little more believable in that aspect. Uh, like I said, Hensworth is amazing in this, and especially the ending. Now, the ending itself uh, is open-ended. Like, you, you don't exactly know everything that's going on. Uh, you have some suspicions, obviously, and apparently there is a sequel in development, so I'm not sure how that affects Hemsworth's character going forward, but definitely a, a good movie. Uh, Extraction, it's on Netflix. Uh, definitely check it out. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite Hemsworth films uh, outside of maybe Rush and, of course, uh, Marvel with Thor. So uh, it's really worthy of your attention here. All right, as we get into the next block here, I've got some new stuff from Serene Dark, Autumn, Nostalgia, and then I'm going to close out with some new stuff from Denominate, which I'll get to a little bit later. Uh, but we're going to kick it off some brand new stuff from Onun. And this is a new project by my boy Nuno Lorenco from Portugal. Uh, if I, you probably heard me play his stuff before. He's, he's part of his project, Salkwi, uh, Thermo Halen. Uh, Zood, you know, he's been in a few different projects. Uh, a lot of, he dabbles a lot with black metal, experimenting, avant-garde stuff. Uh, this doesn't really miss too much off the beat with the stuff. It's, it still has that similar feel about it. Um, does have a little bit more atmosphere and symphony a little bit in this. So uh, I really dug, it's a three song, uh, I call them EPs. I don't know if they're classified as EPs or LPs, but EPs for me um, it's very fucking good stuff like he, he's a top notch talent um, should get more attention than he does uh, very cool guy very humble uh, I love his work and we're going to get into his stuff right now this is brand new stuff called Onun The Airless Cold Presence
DJ Nubis here with you on Metal Tavern Radio. Sorry about that little glitch there. Getting ready to close out this edition of the Hordes of Chaos, episode 74. Uh, that was uh, Morgoth there closing out that last block with Suffer Life. want to thank Krypton Scholar from Metal Mania, Sky Nielsen Promotions. Of course, all the uh, metal and promotional sites that send me stuff. To play for you all on this podcast. Much appreciated. I know Neko wishes she was here right now, but uh, she'll be back soon enough. 
Um, in fact, Inverse Records sent me the new Denom Denominate uh, album for uh, promo use, and uh, the last record they had, their debut, uh, 2016, Those Who Beheld the End, was like one of my favorite records that year. They're a progressive death metal band from Finland. Uh, they have a new record out now called Isochron, and uh, I haven't fully uh, checked it all out yet, but I did find a track that I wanted to play for you all. And we're going to close it out with them. This is Denominate with Departure. Enjoy. See y'all next time.